Welcome to The Creator's Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. Today's guest is going to share how she takes a completely different approach to coaching and some great stories around that. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Erin File. She is a successful entrepreneur, consultant, and speaker who has discovered the secret to achieving exponential results in life and business for her clients without requiring endless ongoing coaching. Erin is the founder of the MindFix Group, a revolutionary mental optimization program for high achievers with a success rate exceeding 95%. With the MindFix Group, Erin aims to deliver revolutionary programs that alleviate the self-sabotage our own minds create that holds us all back and to help high performers achieve even more with minimal effort. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. So my first question for you is, what would you say is the biggest thing that either you did or you are doing that's helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy? (laughs) Uh, Put together a team and uh, stop thinking that I could do everything on my own. There's absolutely no way that without the support of my team that I could be having the impact that I am on the world and also creating enough time and space for me to be living the life that that I want. So hands down, uh, stepping back and, and bringing aboard people to support. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Um, I would agree with that as well. But I want to actually go into that a little bit because for some people, I think like our audience is typically like independent creators and entrepreneurs. And so like if you start to have a team, then then what happens to like the, the label of solopreneur? Are you are you really a solopreneur anymore uh, when you have a team? <laughs> and I think that there's also the idea that some people maybe they're considering or, or getting to the point that they want to have some kind of a team, but they also don't see themselves having like this enormous team of ever having like a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people working with them. And personally, like even myself, I like the idea of growing slowly and deliberately so that like I enjoy everybody that I'm working with. And I rather, even, even if it comes at the cost of maybe having less of an impact at the same speed, I rather do it the way that I'm doing it. So I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, should should someone like me even consider like well well can you build it faster can you get more people and what would you say to somebody who's saying like well i don't i don't know about having a team i don't know about even hiring that first person even though i'm kind of at the stage and i'm ready to do that mm. um should i stay a solo entrepreneur or or get people to help me yeah I think people don't have to ask the question of, do I want a team? Should I be a solopreneur? Am I an entrepreneur? What am I building? Like that, that could be a really big question. I think what is absolutely fabulous, and, and I'm not like the stereotypical, like I'm going to go build 50 different companies and I jump into all of these things. I'm a very slow, methodical, sequential uh, kind of human myself. I think what can be so fabulous is just instead of some people like to jump into the deep end you can just kind of dip your toe in the water and take like that first step in like you can find someone who who can like come and cook a couple meals for you 
you know, for 40 bucks a week or something and then create, suddenly you have five extra hours on your Fridays, you know, like for just a little bit of money. Or maybe you can find um, a bookkeeper who's willing to do some trade and suddenly that frees up 10 hours of your month. So it's less about do I want a team, do I not want a team and more about where are some areas uh, of like, as I look at all the tasks that I do, let's look at the ones that I'm not that good at, that drain me, that take a lot of my time, that if I could hand some of these over and get some support, suddenly you have support. And that idea of building a support team, maybe they're not like, this is an employee or this is my COO, but if you have people outside that, that can support you, suddenly you get to start examining within your business. You know, like I'm sending out these same emails every day. What if I hired someone, you know, in another country or just the friend next door? What if I hired someone to come in for a couple hours every week and do follow-up phone calls? And so it really is, where can I receive a bit of additional support versus building a team for those who aren't like, that's my direction. That's a far more powerful, I think, question that people can dip their toe into the water and start seeing what it's like to be supported and have free time created within their schedule. Yeah, that, that's perfect. I think that's the perfect way to look at it because every entrepreneur, like you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do, even if you think about the things outside of your business, like cooking meals and, and everything, as you mentioned. So yeah. what are some things mm -hmm. that, are, that are draining you or, or that you don't want to spend your time doing that you can offload first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the question to ask. And I, that's why when I said meals, like that was the first thing that actually was so exciting for me is I found someone mm -hmm. um, locally and it was like $15, $20 an hour and she makes all of my food for the week. And yes, I could have hired like a new person or something, but that frees up so much time for me and makes my life so much easier because I hate cooking. That like small steps like that can make a big difference in your personal time and in your business. Definitely. All right. Mm -hmm. So with the MindFix program, what inspired you to create that? And can you share a little bit of the story of how you started it? Sure. I wasn't inspired to create it until uh, it kind of hit me in the face. So it wasn't something I had planned for a long time. It just, it, it kind of fell like... No, it didn't fall into my lap. It hit me in the face. I was running a web agency for 15 years or so, and uh, I knew I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I tried doing all these programs to figure out what's my unique ability and what do I want to do next, and I worked with a career consultant and couldn't figure anything out. Uh, I ended up very long story short. I ended up uh, going through a phase of chronic pain no doctors could figure out what was causing the pain or why I was in so much pain. I started to become really depressed. I started to get really anxious. And then no, uh, there were no specialists that could help me get out of that. So I was in pain and sad and anxious. And it was just a big mess and couldn't find help for any of it. And so I, I, there was a day when I was like, I have to figure this out myself or else I'm in big trouble. And so I applied my entrepreneurial spirit. I went and tested things. I became my own science experiment. I tried 50 different things. I mixed and matched. I found certain things that worked for me. And ultimately, I boiled down what works and what doesn't work. I actually have a psychology degree and I found that a lot of what I had learned didn't necessarily serve me in moving forward towards rapid 
change in being able to feel better about my life. So I came up with kind of this um, new way of thinking, this new model that allows people to do what traditional coaching and traditional therapy doesn't. So people uh, are able to see changes and results in weeks or a few months instead of years or decades. Awesome. So mm-hmm. as uh, I mentioned in the intro, what you say is that the this mental optimization program designed for high achievers and has a success rate exceeding 95%. So what would you say contributes to the success of it? And how do you measure success? Because I think like that's a that's a crazy high number, 95%. It is crazy high. A lot of it, honestly, it's because we're so strict about who we work with. We have a very, very strict application process. And then after someone applies and then uh, we, we have a conversation with them, like a small percentage of the people that apply end up working with us because it's all about good fit. If we just accepted everybody, our success rate would not be um, that high at all. We look for people who are motivated, who are ready to change, who show up, who are just like, I'm in and I'm committed and let's do that. We also, over the past three or four years, really paid attention to the people that we weren't able to help and we built that into the application. So even if they look great, we found out if, for example, if you're in severe chronic pain or if you have nervous system dysregulation and you are so nervous just to be in your body and you can't, you have so much anxiety that just being around your house every day or being at work, you're always like, I'm not okay. You need, there's other steps that you need to take first. Or for example, we found out the hard way if someone uses cannabis every day, regularly, that we aren't able to help them. So as the business continued, we found the things where we couldn't help and baked that into the upfront application process. And that's allowed us to screen out the people that we aren't able to help and make sure that the majority, the vast, vast, vast majority of the people that do come in, we're already pretty clear that we're gonna be able to help them by the time they start working with us. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really great advice and something that like every course creator, coach, um, every business owner should pay attention to figuring out like who are the people that you can really help the best and realizing that you can't help everybody. Because like you said, like if somebody, <laughs> if somebody's not ready to like work on themselves or accept their help, accept your help, like it's, it's going to be a, a, an impossible journey for you to even try to help them. And like, I think it it's not only for like coaching offers and things like this, but like I can relate to that even like with like contracts. Uh, it made me somehow think of, stories working with clients with like my web design agency when I first started in business and realizing like, okay, like I had this, this bad problem client and realizing that actually like if my contract said certain things, it basically would have said like, you can't be this person. And so like the, uh, the application process like that you're mentioning, like it's the same kind of idea. So like if you're, if you're not a coach, if, if you don't have a course or something like that, and you're listening to this, it, the idea can even apply to something like the contracts that you have or even your your calls, uh, your sales calls, things like that. Mm-hmm. It can apply to everybody. I'm actually relearning that right now as I'm giving talks at conferences or keynotes and presentations. Um, 
and I would start getting feedback when I was when I was speaking to very large groups. And it was like some people would say too much of this and other people would say not enough of this. And I realized as I was trying to make everybody happy, it just didn't fit. And it really is about like, who do you serve best and focus on that? Because when you start trying to serve everyone, it frustrates you. Your success rate goes down. It frustrates the other people. Everything becomes so much harder. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned how MindFix and what you're doing you feel is different than a lot of like traditional coaching and psychology. So what's the problem yeah. that you would say with like traditional coaching and, and how, how are you differentiating yourself then? Yeah, there's two things at least. And I want to make it very clear. I'm not talking about all therapy or all coaching. Um, I'm mm. talking about much of it and a lot of what I experienced personally over 25 years that didn't work for me. A lot of coaching, traditional coaching and, and therapy, they do two things. Uh, they work solely with the conscious mind. So we'll sit in, we'll try and problem solve. Well, why are you still talking to this person if they're mean to you? I don't know why I'm talking to them. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. You shouldn't do it. And it's like, we try to deal with things as if everything is a math problem and everything is solvable from our conscious mind. When in reality, most of the problems when we're stuck and we're not making progress are in our subconscious mind. The problems are beneath the surface. So we're trying to solve through talk therapy and logicking when the issues are beneath the surface. Um, the second thing is a lot, especially with coaching, a lot of coaching is fantastic in helping people take action and it gives people more to do. I worked with coaches and I mean, I was like, I was doing gratitude exercises and I was eating properly and I was getting enough sleep and then I was um, using my calendar in a certain way and I, I had a to-do list of 30 things to do every single day just to be happy and be productive and it was just like, okay, I'm going to work with this coach. Here's more you need to do and then there's more forms to fill out and it was, I got exhausted just thinking about it. It was so exhausting. So a lot of coaching is additive. Here's another strategy do more meditation, do more journaling, let's do more. With MindFix, instead of working it with the conscious mind, we work with the subconscious mind where most problems are kept. If we could figure it out with our minds, we would, but we get stuck because we're trying to figure out with our conscious mind what's below the surface. And two, instead of adding, you need to do more. Everything we do is about subtracting. So. Instead of, if you know, you're covered in, you ha you're having pain in your arm, if you're covered in splinters and shrapnel, instead of putting ointment and bandages on, which, you know, which is adding, we want to pull the splinters out. We want to pull out the reason why you're having the problems so that they don't come back. So in a nutshell, to summarize, a lot of coaching and therapy help people manage their problems and cope with their symptoms. We're gonna help you cope with your anxiety. We're gonna help you manage your frustration and overwhelm. What we look to do at MindFix is if we subtract the root cause of why those are happening, there's nothing left to cope with or manage. It, the, the symptoms and the problems are actually not there anymore. Awesome, yeah, and that's a great analogy about the, uh, the splinters. Oh so can you share a maybe a particular moment or experience that really made you realize the, the impact of your program and like what it could have on people's lives? 
Yeah, I can actually share one of the most profound personal experiences. I, I noticed it. Um, I was living a pretty successful life. I had a partner and I had a great house and I lived in the mountains and a great business. And yet I just was not happy. And everything I did stressed me out. I, I remember got to the point where I would go out in my leisure time. I'd go out for bike rides with friends. And there was a day I was in the forest. The sun is coming down. There's like a creek and a waterfall to the side. There's birds chirping. It's 70 degrees. It's gorgeous mountain, like dream bike ride with, with probably five or six friends. Like, this is what I live life for. And I remember in my head, it was just like, I'm too slow. They're gonna, they're not gonna want to go out with me anymore. I'm not fast enough. This is embarrassing. I'm gonna have to apologize. Go faster. You're not good enough. You need to go home. You just, and it was just like, that was what was in my head. Wow. And I was like, I've worked my whole life to be able to do something like this. And all I can think about is how I'm not good enough. Like that's what my life had become. I'd go snowboarding. I'd go for a walk. I'd be on a call with a client. And that was the noise in my head was just this critic. And so what I remember is in doing this work, there was a day uh, the following summer, I went out for a bike ride and I remember I was the slowest one on the ride. And I remember coming in and everybody was waiting and I got to the bottom, I was like, thanks. And everybody's like, you're so happy. And I was smiling, my mind was quiet. I was smelling like the pine of the forest and my, like, my heart was beaming and I was like, there's no voice. There's no criticism. I'm not embarrassed. There's no shame. There's no judgment. I'm enjoying this. I am fulfilled. And it was just the same experience on the outside, but my the way I experienced it on the inside was night and day. And then that was happening in work, in my relationships. Like every time, like that was rippling out. That was my new life was it was quiet and I could enjoy the things that I had worked for. So that was the shift, the before and after. And that's what we see with our clients too. Awesome. Well, what is like, is there like a moment that like you feel like sparked that, that change? Like what, what kind of like preempted that, I guess, <laughs> yeah. to, to make that, yeah, yeah. that big difference happen? It's so interesting, right? Because we're talking about I had gone to therapy and I'd gone to coaching for so many years and it was like, why do you think you're so difficult on yourself? Let's journal about that. Maybe it was because of your childhood and I had talked about it for 20 years, right? Like, and nothing worked. When I did this work, it was like, okay, what would have you thinking all these thoughts about you're not good enough? And you're not good. The reason I was having these thoughts is at the core, I had a belief a conscious programming looping in my mind over and over that simply said, I'm not good enough. It was like a tape that was playing in the back of my head. If I have that tape playing, then of course I'm going to have thoughts of I'm too slow. They're not going to like me. I'm not fast enough, right? Because I have this tape. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. So I see the world through those. So what happened is in this work, hit stop on that tape and the tape stops. I'm not good enough. No longer exists in my subconscious. That belief is not there. I don't have that. The day that that belief went away was like the day my life changed because suddenly I no longer saw the world through that lens. And so when you can change those tapes and stop the tapes that are playing in the background, the rest of your life changes after that. Awesome. So yeah, I think like a huge reason why people fail is they have these limiting beliefs. So 
for those listening and for how you work with your clients, like how would you approach those who have like these deep-seated limiting beliefs that they may not even be aware of? Mm. Yeah, one of the first things that people can do is begin to uncover them and bring them to the surface, bring them from un outside of their awareness up to the surface so they can go, okay, they're here. Because you can't work on anything unless you're aware of it. So the, the easiest way, the most fun way to find out what are some of the programs, the beliefs that are running in the back of my mind is you take a two-step process. And this is something anybody can do. It can be something that can be really fun to do with friends. It can be something you can do on your own. But the first thing is you write down, um, actually it's three steps. I'm gonna go three steps. You write down a pattern, something that you do, and you get as clear as possible on it. Like what's something you're experiencing that you wish you could change? For example, I just chatted with a fellow who said, I have a pattern of when it comes time to talk about money on sales calls, I freeze. And I don't know what to say and I stop talking. He said that happens over and over and over again. That's my pattern. So he would write that down. And then the set step two is what are the thoughts that occur? What are the thoughts and feelings that occur during this pattern? So I asked the fellow like, what are you thinking He's like, well, my body freezes, but I'm thinking, don't say anything about money. Don't say anything about money. Don't talk about money. And I said, what are you feeling? He's like nervous and scared. I was like, okay, so write that down. That was his step two. Step three is simply ask the question, what would I have to believe to be true to experience those things in step two? So I asked him, what would you have to believe to be true to feel nervous and anxious and have the thought, don't talk about money when you're on a sales call. And he sat for a while and he's like, let me think, let me think. He's like, he just said, it's not okay to talk about money. And I was like, what? He's like, where did that come from? And he just kind of looked at me. And he's like, oh, he's like, well, I was raised, you know, and he started talking about his upbringing and what part of the country he was brought up in and what religion he was brought up in and what his family used to say, and it all started to come out. He's, and so what's interesting is, here's, here's the key takeaway. Many people uh, sometimes forget. He was shocked when those words came out of his mouth. He's like, I didn't realize I believe it. So a lot of times we'll say something and go, I don't believe it. It's not, do you believe this? It's, does a part of you believe it to be true? So oftentimes I'll say, do you believe that you're, do you believe that you're stupid? No. Does a little, does a part of you believe you're stupid? Oh, well, yeah, maybe like a little part, like it's, maybe that's okay. Or do you believe you're not capable? Of course I'm capable. Is there any part of you that doubts if you're capable? Oh, well, there's maybe a little part. So when you ask the question in that way, is there a part of you? suddenly it's much easier to start exploring that that universe of well only a part of me only a part of me got it so mm -hmm. i think that it's one thing to to be able to like uncover those those limiting beliefs and and even to get past them but i i feel like it's very common that even if you you get over one limiting belief it's not the end of of that in life, right? There, there can be other things that, that creep up or, or, or start to, 
happen where you have these new limiting beliefs that that occur, right? So would you say there's any like effective practices or habits that you've seen a higher achiever cultivate to kind of maintain a healthy mindset over long term? Good question. So there are the conscious old school therapy and coaching techniques that have you try and convince yourself you don't believe something. You believe that you're something, say the opposite, affirmations, things like affirmations. When you use the old school techniques, you have to keep using them because they're not actually getting rid of the beliefs. You're trying to overwrite them. You're trying to put bandages on. There are so many technologies and mind technologies and tools out there that have happened and been discovered and are being used in the, like the last 10 years. We use probably six or seven different ones at MindFix, depending on what works for each person. And when you use a tool that works, when you use a tool that actually clears a belief, it really is gone. Think about a belief in Santa Claus. Think about a belief in the Tooth Fairy. Think about a belief in the Easter Bunny. Like when that went and that was gone, it's gone. It doesn't come back. You don't have to maintain it. So if you are using proper real techniques and that goes back to the, like, what's the difference between rapid transformation and real change versus old school techniques is you don't have to maintain or keep doing it if it really works. If you pull out the, the splinter, the pain's gone. It's not coming back. There's no more bandages. It doesn't hurt anymore. And you move on. Now, you may go, oh gosh, now I notice there's another splinter. And you can keep working over time and self-improvement and growth is a gradual, continual process. But you shouldn't have to keep going back and working on the same thing if you really have an effective tool to help work through that. Got it. So I heard... Uh... Something that Alex Hormozzi said that I thought he put it in a very interesting way where he was talking about how a lot of people struggle with beliefs that they have. And the, the problem is that we believe certain things to be facts when they're not facts. They are really, truly our beliefs. So yes. what, what do you think about that? Would you, would you agree with that? And is there, is there anything in your program that, that you do where where you kind of have that realization with your clients where like, okay, this, this thing, like what are things that you think are facts that are actually really just your beliefs? Hmm. Most everything, unless it's something like I am a male or this is a computer screen or I am carrying a drink when it comes to, um, conclusions about oneself, or about the outside world or success, the vast majority of those conclusions are literally beliefs. Something that someone can have a different perspective on. Uh, and the entire work that we do at the foundation of MindFix is helping people shift what they think is fact and belief, this is true, to that's just one possibility. Like people come in and go, well, you have to work very, very hard in order to be successful. And to say, well, some people do, and you might now, but that doesn't have to be real to break apart these things from being rigid, rock solid truths to one of many truths is where the magic lies. So yeah, the way that Hermosi put it is, is very well said. Cool. All right. Can you think of maybe like another story? I think you, you gave a great one of your yourself with the bike rides. 
Can you think of a story where maybe your clients like faced either self-doubt or imposter syndrome in their journey? And what would you suggest to people out there to try to overcome that? Mainly like the okay. idea, I guess, I of like imposter syndrome. Okay, so am I, so share a story first and yeah. then advice? Okay, so yes, we've worked with many, many, many very successful people have had severe imposter syndrome and what we find is um oh gosh i'm trying to think uh there's we we worked with a woman who ran a uh, she was in her second year of business and she was just starting to get interviewed on podcasts mm. and she was saying i can't do it i i'm i'm not good at it like i'm i haven't been around enough i don't have degrees in my field um, you know, I'm not advanced enough. I've only helped a few hundred people and my competitors have helped over 10,000. Like, who am I? I like, who's going to want to listen to me? And she was first. So she was turning down all these interview opportunities. People were reaching out to her to promote her business. And she was saying, no, 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 no. And they're like, why? She's like, because I shouldn't. So even though people wanted to, she was just like, no, I, I'm an imposter. I, I'm a fraud. Like if they, you know, they'll find me out. And it was really interesting because you could take her through that three-step process. Her pattern is, I say no to all promotional opportunities. She was thinking, I'm a fraud. I don't deserve it. And I feel bad when people reach out. And so when we're like, what would you have to believe to be true? I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. I'm a phony. You can't be successful if you don't have advanced degrees. And if you haven't been doing, uh, been in business for more than five or 10 years, you can't possibly be very good. It was a handful of maybe 10 or so of those types of beliefs. We stripped them away, just like the beliefs in Santa Claus. And at the end, she was like, oh my God, I'm going to call those people back. I can totally be on all of those. And she didn't have to work on it. Her fear did and her frustration and guilt, like none of that came back. She was excited and she just took off. She forgot she ever was like saying no to the opportunities to begin with. So imposter syndrome, despite all the articles, I just saw one the other day that say you'll have it forever. It's only there because of the programs that are looping in the background. And when you can come in and hit stop, on a handful of them, imposter syndrome completely disappears. We've seen it over and over and over again. In fact, it's one of the more common challenges of entrepreneurs. I read something recently that 84% of all entrepreneurs of all success levels, of all income levels, have some form of uh, imposter syndrome. And many people say it doesn't go away. And it's like, it doesn't go away unless you subtract the root cause of why it's actually there, then it can go away in a matter of hours. Mm. Awesome, yeah, it actually, mm. that made me think of something that I experienced, how I experienced imposter syndrome early on in my business, where I started my business out of high school, actually. And so mm. I was 18 years old when I started my business and I never went to college and I had this problem of doubting myself because thinking like I'm too young or inexperienced, like people are going to have a problem to want to work with me. And the realization that I had that you're right, it, once I had this realization, it completely solved it. And that was realizing that the people who knew me like personally and were clients, they would act a little bit differently around me because they knew like, oh, I'm just a young kid or whatever. Whereas the people who didn't know me personally 
they they had there was nothing in the way that they acted or, or treated me or decided to work with me or not that had anything to do with my age and <laughs> once i realized that i i realized that like it it's really it's not the the problem i thought it could be amazing very cool cool all right um also curious about like what would you say to high achievers who are struggling like balancing work and personal life and trying to like avoid the uh, dreaded burnout Whew. you know one of the most valuable things that i learned along my journey was that if i don't schedule and plan in free time doesn't happen I treat it as if it was an appointment or a doctor's visit or a surgery and I put it into my calendar and make sure it's there because if I don't, I will burn out. If I don't mix in free time and time off and time to think, I'll keep working. That's just my tendency. And then that creates burnout over the long run. It's easy to keep working, but everything starts to go downhill. And I actually, in, in studying the concept of flow, the more you work and the more you allow yourself to work, the more you get lazy. And there's no incentive to work smarter because you're like, I'll just work harder and I have more time. So I can write a you know a long email and not think too much about it. Or I don't have to hire someone else because I'm working for three more hours. But if it's like, if you create a constraint and you're like, you only have this much time to work, suddenly you have to think smarter. You have to write things quicker. You have to stay focused. You can't be on social media. All the things that you can do when you create all of this space and there's no free time, you get lazy and you take up all of that time. When you compress it, you're forced to work smarter. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I mean, there's the saying that the, the task or project that you have will fill the space that you've given it. And absolutely. Yeah, I think that the constraints are so powerful and I can give a number of examples of of how that made an impact in my own life and business. And I would say like, I, I've had different stages of my life and business where I've had on one hand where I, I guess I kind of stopped working. I kind of almost like retired in 2017. And after that, it was hard to like work 40 hours a week or even close to that. Like it was, I had to like learn the exercise of working again, I felt like. But then to, so like I had no problem giving myself free time, but then in getting better and better at that, I feel that you become so good at working that just like you said, like I have to now, like I have to schedule that free time for myself because otherwise it's too easy to say like, okay, now I'm, now I'm really good at working. I can just keep doing that. Yeah, um, totally. But like where I would say like the constraint was super powerful was I spent a lot of time early on, uh, in my business in my 20s traveling and mm -hmm. i by the time i turned even actually before i turned 21 i said i'm gonna go travel the world don't know when i'm coming back didn't buy a return ticket and that was something that i think some people had a, a doubt thinking like how how are you productive like what are you just on vacation you're not working now i said no i'm still working I'm just living in different places and mm -hmm. what was so powerful about that as a constraint for me is that if I was going to move between countries every couple months, then there was that hard deadline of, okay, I, I'm on this flight at this time. So like certain things have to be done 
in work before mm -hmm. that flight and before I have to go in and learn that new place for a couple of days and I'm going to not be quite as productive. And so actually in that sense, like knowing that every couple months or, or so there's this deadline of that, I'm, I'm literally going to a, a completely new country. That actually was yeah. really helpful in terms of productivity for me. Phenomenal. So cool. Yeah, thanks. So on the show, we like to have each of our guests ask a question to the audience. You could ask our audience anything, whether it's something like kind of introspective you want them to think about or something you're just genuinely curious about. What would that be? Yeah. So when I go and I give talks, I put up a screen behind me and it lists all of the things that uh, we've helped people with at MindFix Group. Um, and I, I would love to invite people to think about their biggest thought challenge or emotional challenge or behavioral challenge. So bring to mind uh, whether it's anxiety, imposter syndrome, anger, difficulty setting boundaries, money fears, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of setting boundaries, uh, people pleasing, whatever it is, the thing that, that just costs you the most in terms of time or energy, money, sanity. And what I'd like to invite people to ask themselves is what would be possible for me if this was no longer in my life. Because that's what is possible for every single person who's listening today. These things that we used to think we have to deal with for the rest of our lives, the technology and what's possible these days with the work that companies like ours do allows people to be totally clear of these things in a matter of weeks or months. And that wasn't possible in the past. So I would love to invite people to sit for a moment and just daydream and be like, if that wasn't in my life, how would that impact my family, my friendships, how I feel about myself, my free time, my money, my business, and just allow yourself to daydream for a bit because that is actually possible now. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really powerful question. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Aaron, before we get going, where else can people find you online? Yeah, I invite people to go and check out our website at mindfixgroup.com. Uh, there's two pages there that are really, uh, really great to check out. There's a results page so you can see what's possible for people just like you. And then we also have a free training. It's just an hour and it is packed and helps people understand how rapid transformation instead of having to continue to manage and cope with your symptoms is possible. And it breaks down the science behind that. Awesome. All right, Aaron, thanks so mm -hmm. much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.